Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I knew how to find the best grants for me? Grants I actually had a chance of winning. Maybe I'm just not a good enough writer to win grants. I just can't seem to get people to see the value of my work in my community. I know my work is incredibly important. If only I could get more grant makers to see that, I could do so much more good in the world. Well, if you have had any of those thoughts, I recommend checking out my comprehensive online grant writing course, Grant Writing Made Easy. In this self-paced six-module course, I will teach you how to find the perfect grant opportunities for you, write well-researched, compelling grant proposals, and build long-lasting relationships with funders that set you up for future success. Grant Writing Made Easy is the fastest way to learn everything you need to know to write grant proposals that help you fund the incredible work you do and leave your mark on the world. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, if you enroll now, you'll also get these exclusive bonuses. Bonus number one, 30 days of writing exercises emailed to you. Bonus number two, access to our private members-only Facebook group. Bonus number three, a $600 coupon code for a one-year subscription to GrantStation's Grants Database. And bonus number four, 11 live online writing workshops per year. And you get lifetime access to all of this. So head on over to www.writegoodco.com forward slash grant writing pro to learn more. You can choose one payment or you can even choose monthly payments and get started for just $97 today. Again, head on over to writegoodco.com forward slash grant writing pro. Welcome to the Write Good Podcast. I'm Dr. Krista Kerlinkis, owner of Write Good, grant writing and communications for the greater good. And in this episode, we are talking about the state of nonprofits in the United States. Last week, we talked about the state of grant seeking based on a grant station report that recently came out. And we talked about how those statistics in that report should affect the way that you apply for grants. Now, this week, we're talking about the state of nonprofits because it is important to understand where you are in the context of your colleagues or your competitors. Having information about the general trends in the nonprofit sector is really going to help you develop a plan for the rest of your budget, for your program designs, for your branding, and more. All right, this episode is going to be a little statistics heavy, so if you need to visualize and see numbers to remember them, definitely check out the blog post that we wrote that goes along with this podcast, and you can also check out the links in the show notes for all of our sources on this so you can get even more in-depth if you wish to. All right, so let's get right down to it. First of all, let's start with the basics. The number of nonprofits in the U.S. right now, according to the National Center for Charitable Statistics, is 1,571,056. Over 14 million people are employed in the nonprofit sector, according to Nonprofit Quarterly. Now, does that surprise you? Is that more than you expected? Well, 
One reason for you to really be cognizant of that number is to keep in mind the competition that is out there. We're talking competition for attention, for financial contributions, for other resources. So just keep that number in mind and know that there are a lot of nonprofits out there. And also keep in mind if you are wanting to start a nonprofit, do your research first and make sure that you are not going to be in direct competition with someone else in your local market. And it's not because we don't think you'll do as well, but if someone else is already providing that service, then why not support them? Why not find out if there's a way you can work with them instead of setting up another competing nonprofit? So definitely keep that in mind. Make sure you do your research before starting a new nonprofit. Now, of those 1.5 million nonprofit organizations, 1,097,689 are public charities, 105,030 are private foundations, and 368,337 are other types of nonprofit organizations, including chambers of commerce, fraternal organizations, and civic leagues. And this number of 1.5 million came from the NCCS report in 2016. So it is not current, but it is the most up-to-date stats that we have. NCCS also reports that in 2013, public charities reported over $1.74 trillion in total revenues and $1.63 trillion in total expenses. Of that revenue, 21% came from contributions, gifts, and government grants. 72% came from program service revenues, which include government fees and contracts. And 7% came from other sources, including dues, rental income, special event income, and gains or losses from goods sold. Public charities also reported over $3 trillion in total assets. And those are the most recent statistics they have from 2013. And in 2014, the nonprofit share of the U.S.'s gross domestic product was 5.3%. Also be aware that not all nonprofits are equal in terms of their budget and size. So according to NCCS, that's the National Center for Charitable Statistics, almost 600,000 of these 1.5 million nonprofits have revenues under 1 million a year. About 90% of the sector's revenue comes from the top 2.39% of nonprofits. So those are probably those big nonprofits that you've heard a lot about, like the ACLU or Planned Parenthood or Greenpeace or the Sierra Club. So just like in terms of income in the United States, the top two or so percent of nonprofits are holding most of the revenue. Now, let's talk a little bit more about where the money comes from for nonprofit revenue. Last week, we talked about grant funding, but as I explained, most organizations don't rely exclusively on grant funding. In fact, it's pretty much impossible. Much of their funding instead comes from individual donations and earned revenue, like we just said. 
Now, according to the Giving USA 2017 report, giving from individuals, so just if I were to give to the ACLU as Krista Kurlinkus, then that would be considered giving from individuals. Uh, That giving increased by 3.9% in 2016, which outpaced giving from foundations and corporations, which both increased by 3.5% in that same year. The total giving by individuals in 2016 is an estimated $390.05 billion, the highest ever. The Giving USA 2017 report also breaks down giving by different types of charitable organizations. They found that in 2016, giving to all nine types grew, but the types with the fastest growth were health organizations, arts, culture, and humanities orgs, international affairs orgs, and environmental and animal rights orgs. It's possible that these types of organizations had the highest giving because of the political climate and the attacks on these specific segments of government agencies and the budget cuts, the laws attempted to be passed or actually that were passed that harmed these different segments. The takeaway for you is that during your fundraising campaigns, you need to emphasize the timeliness and relevance of giving to these specific causes that are under attack. People want to put their money where it matters, so you have the job of showing them why your work matters. Statista reports that 61% of nonprofits surveyed that they think their charitable receipts will increase in 2018 compared with 2017. So that leads me to believe that they see interest has increased and investment has increased as they just pay attention to conversations that are going on about their specific sector. Most of these individual donations actually happen in person. So according to BlackBod, less than 8% of overall fundraising comes from online sources. So if you've got a donate button on your website, that is only going to make up a very small percentage of what you should be bringing in from individual donations. Now, this is keeping pace with the rates of online shopping and in-person retail, but there is room for improvement. So here are some things you can keep in mind, things that you can do to increase your online giving rates. Blackboard cites research from Dunham and Company's online fundraising scorecard, which says 37% of nonprofits did not send an email within 30 days of an individual either signing up for, you know, as a member of their organization or for their newsletter list. So what you can do is you can work inside MailChimp or ConvertKit or other email marketing software to make sure you have an email sequence set up so that as soon as someone subscribes, they get an email from you. And then maybe two days later, they get another email about something else from you. And then three days later, they get something else to keep their mind on the fact that they are now a member. They're signed up for your newsletter list. They've shown an interest. So if they've shown an interest, you are not bothering them by sending this sequence of emails. You are cultivating them to become involved with your organization, whether that's as a volunteer or through donations. 
Also, when you are getting new members or you know new people interested in your nonprofit, you need to make sure you're getting their email address. The average nonprofit is missing 74% of their constituents' email addresses, according to BlackBot. That is a problem. Another thing that you need to keep in mind is the usability of your online giving systems. So they found that 65% of nonprofits had an online giving system that required three or more clicks from a user to make a donation. If you have an online giving system, you have to make sure that it is fast and easy for people to use. The more times a person has to click to accomplish a task online, the less likely it is that they will actually complete that task. Similarly, 84% of nonprofit donation landing pages are not optimized for mobile use, but there will be an estimated 6.8 billion smartphone users by 2020, and that's from an Ericsson mobility report. So that means that whatever you're using, whether that's a form that is embedded on your website or something like lead pages, or you're just using a PayPal page, you need to make sure that if you're looking at up on an Android or an iPhone that it looks right. And when you click on things, it goes where it's supposed to go and everything is not only usable, but easy to use. Now, once your user, your donator makes that online donation, you need to make sure there is a share button available after they complete that online donation because it's social proof, right? And they might get some satisfaction out of sharing that and their share might encourage someone else to go donate. So the problem is 73% of nonprofits surveyed did not have a share button available. So those are a few things that you can do for both usability and marketing in terms of your online giving that should increase your donation rates online. Now we need to talk a little bit about donor retention. Donor retention is when you have an individual or corporate donor that gives to you multiple times. So you want to make sure you're retaining your donors and not losing their interest and investment. BlackBot's 2017 charitable giving report provides more information on giving behavior and trends in terms of the retention rate. So the average retention rate after a single online donation is 25%. That means if I click, yes, I want to donate to the Sierra Club online, it's only 25% of people who do that are going to donate again. The retention rate after a single offline donation is higher at 31%. After the second donation, retention rates increase dramatically. So for multi-year online and offline donations, retention rates are more than 60%. So once you get them to give twice, then they're much more likely to give the third and fourth and fifth time. So this statistic suggests you really need to focus on getting more first-time donors to give again because they will likely become repeat donors year after year. Now, different ways to do this. You really need to think about accountability and transparency with your donors. About half of donors are concerned about how organizations use their money, according to the Camber Collective Money for Good report. 
So showing your donor exactly where that money is going before and after reminding them after where that money went is going to get them to give again. So if they're giving $10 and you show them that that $10 helped feed three cats for you know, a month at your animal shelter and give them a picture of that cat, that is going to make them come back more than anything else. So showing them exactly where their money is going. These retention statistics should also encourage you to keep in touch with your donors. So they've already expressed interest. Do not be afraid to keep following up with them and encouraging them to give. That doesn't mean sending an email every single day, but it means not feeling guilty for the ask when it comes time to ask. All right, so far we've been talking about donors as if they are all kind of the same, but you really do need to take into account generational differences in giving. So here are some stats from BlackBod's Next Generation of American Giving report. So Generation Y, aka Millennials, aka me, 60% of them donate to charity. The average yearly giving of a millennial donor is $481. 62% of millennials would prefer to give through a mobile device, so online and through a mobile device. So that means, again, you really need to focus, if you're wanting to get more millennial donors, focus on making your systems usable on mobile devices. So the millennial generation are those born about after 1980. They're the first generation to come of age in the new millennium. Generation X is typically defined as individuals born between the early to mid-60s to the early 1980s. 59% of this generation, so very similar to the millennial 60%, give to charity. Their average yearly giving is $732, so they're older, they're probably more financially established, and they give a little bit more. 52% of Gen X donors have given through a workplace giving program, so that makes it easier for them to give, so maybe they set aside a certain amount of each paycheck. So that might be a different strategy that you try out to get some of those Gen Xers. Then the boomer generation, which is typically people born between 1946 and 1964, give even more to charity. 72% of them donate to charity, and their average yearly giving is higher at 1212 21% of boomers give monthly, so they might have recurring donations already set up, or they might be just writing a check monthly, so that is something to keep in mind. Now, here's the thing. Don't think that this is the only way boomers are going to give, Gen Xers are going to give. For example, I give monthly to certain organizations. I just have a recurring EFT draft set up each month, and that comes out of my account, and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. That's perfect for me. But I also like to give online as well, just whenever some issue or cause really comes to the forefront of my attention, then I will, you know, hit that donate button online. I will say that very rarely do I write a check unless I'm at a fundraising event. So keep in mind, not everyone is going to exactly follow these statistics, right? Not all of boomers give monthly, but 21% of them do. Now the older group, which is 
often referred to as the matures, 88% of them donate to charity. So the numbers keep increasing. And again, their average yearly giving is higher. Theirs is 1,367. And 42% of matures volunteer for a cause. So maybe with retirement, with more time on their hands, with their children out of the home, they have time to volunteer. So you might think about also tapping into your older constituents slash, you know, fans, interested people to be volunteers for your organization. So when communicating with potential donors and volunteers, consider their age, not just in the methods in which they're giving, but how they are going to respond to your message. So how you're crafting your message. But also keep in mind, you know, a mobile giving campaign is going to attract more millennials and Gen Xers than matures. And make sure, again, that you tailor that campaign to them and their priorities. Now, a fun fact to consider when communicating with potential volunteers, in 2016, the estimated value of a volunteer hour was $24.69, according to independentsector.org. So you might think about communicating that to your followers and fans and constituents and members is that this is how much their volunteer hours are worth to you. So if they're not able to give monetarily, then volunteering, you know, 10 hours is like giving 240 some dollars. That alone is a great way to inspire them to come volunteer with you. Now, in addition to these age differences, there are also huge differences, you know, not just in giving and volunteering, but just in the nonprofit sector at large based on your state and region. Now, if you're interested in diving deeper into the state of nonprofits where you are, check out the website nonprofitfacts.com. There's a link in the show notes. There you can see the exact number of nonprofits in your state and learn statistics about their annual revenue and more. All right. In conclusion, we love statistics. Statistics are a great starting place because they can help you understand and get just a general picture of the nonprofit sector in the United States. But the best stats are going to be highly specific stats about your own nonprofit and your own sector. So that's why it's important to keep records and have a plan for measuring the success of your own programs. And you can learn more about measuring nonprofit success by checking out our blog post on it. There is a link in the show notes. Now, if you are invested in learning even more about setting yourself up for success and then measuring that success and using those stats to communicate in your statement of need and your organizational history and grant proposals, definitely check out our comprehensive online grant writing course, Grant Writing Made Easy. There is a link to join in the show notes. All right, that is all for this week, and I can't wait to see you back here next week. We have an episode on the history of nonprofits coming up, so I think that's going to be really interesting, and I can't wait to see what you all think about it. All right, until next time, good luck with your grant writing. 